0: We gotta pick a series name, and frankly, I think our strongest case is a slant rhyme with radio. Gorilla Gladio. How
1: about Gladio Free Europe? Gladio Free
0: yeah. Europe Ooh. is a very strong contender. That's that is actually a good one. I,
2: I think, think that's literally a podcast, though.
0: Isn't, isn't there the is new one called that? Oh, yeah. really?
2: Um, how many followers do they have on Twitter? We can steamroll. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I got to a point in my brainstorming where I just started getting poetic with it, and I was like, what do we call it? The Song of Wolves. <laughs>
2: really what cool. is like, yeah, something like Song of Ice and Fire, which is uh, um <laughs> <laughs> Song of Ice and Various Unexplained Crimes. Um, Does
0: Eurovision have a very specific connotation, or is it just a fun combo word we can work in there?
2: Uh, Eurovision is the greatest television th- thing in the world. I will not have it sullied on my podcast. Um, we get very into it. But <laughs> is here. it part
0: of Gladio, I guess, is my question.
2: It, it's one of the various institutions set up after World War II to, like, supposedly keep the peace but uh, um, so there's no way to tell whether the peace in Europe is being kept by NATO the EU or the Eurovision and uh, we definitely can't remove any of them in like a, some sort of complunk situation how- uh, shit fuck no-
1: how about <laughs> uh, how about Gladio yeah. killed the, you see where I'm going with this <laughs> oh that's great Gladio- the voting yeah. star the, democ- the uh, socialism star Soviet star? Uh,
0: Gladio Gladio? killed the socialism star. Welcome back to our program.
2: (laughs) I think you could just do Gladio Gladio killed the and then dot dot dot. And then we just say what Gladio killed this week. Gladio killed the redacted.
0: Orange you Gladio. I didn't say Gladio.
3: Gladio radio. That's kind of
2: fun. Orange you Gladio. Gladio
0: free Europe is by far the strongest one. (laughs) do
2: do we have 332. Do we have a, a three thirty two? Oh, they followers. exist. and They only have three hundred thirty two. Yeah, I feel like this is behind the paywall. We, Mufos, I think we, we can we can do Gladio free. Do we follow we, them? You're gonna burn. No, I I think I do. Okay, because they followed me. I think they probably did follow. Shit, me. They, like I think I remember this, and they've <laughs> uploaded like two episodes.
0: Yeah, what? Yeah. Fuck those guys. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> They're kind of the main thing I wanted to pick a bone with in this series. (laughs) They're They're kind of like a
1: Dan Nynan situation. Sounds like they just come up with a good name and then copyright it. Or I don't
0: know if they've even.
3: I just looked it up. They're on episode 22. But are they famous? Let's see. They're not. They have 300 followers on Twitter.
0: Get fucked. Get out of here. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You took the only good Gladio name and you're just going to sit on it? i don't daniel think
3: so. Bester, daniel best daniel Vester was on it two episodes ago <laughs> they're kind of us. Okay. fine <laughs> yeah, is that uh,
0: jake flores is one of the hosts
2: <laughs> <laughs> i don't want to say anything
1: how about uh gladio p europe
2: <laughs> all right so i want to open with uh, a not often discussed uh gladio event which is uh Delhi's Supermarket uh, which is a middle class supermarket in Belgium uh, in the town of Alst, a commuter town to the northeast of Brussels on November 9th 1985 um, which is a Saturday and also St. Martin's Day which is basically Belgian Christmas uh, when they go and get toys Um, basically on a busy shopping day in the supermarket, everyone out doing their morning shopping trying to get last minute gifts and things like that A Volkswagen GTI was parked outside the supermarket and three armed men in hoods over their heads came out of the car. The tallest of the three produced a pump-action shotgun, opened fire at point-blank range, and finished off in cold blood two shoppers instantly. Upon reaching the checkout counter, he began to fire randomly at anything that moved. I saw three masked men coming out of the rear a man said to his child, drop down, there they are. An unnamed witness recalls the terror one bystander who tried to flee was shot at seven or eight bullets through his car and shot grazing behind the ear total panic reigned one woman whose face was covered in blood was screaming something about her child i don't know exactly what there was little cover or shelter for the terrified shoppers in the aisles of the supermarket from the three masked gunmen in the ensuing massacre eight people including a whole family died and seven more were injured a husband and wife and their 14-year-old daughter were finished off in cold blood at the supermarket checkout. Another father and his 9-year-old daughter were killed in the car trying to flee. The massacre in Aalst was the last of many events that came to be known as the Brabant Massacres. Named for Brabant, the uh, surrounding area of Brussels, the largest city and capital of Belgium. They were immediately awed for a handful of reasons. A lack of obvious motive, the professionalism displayed... And the investigations lacking any results. In 1988, British investigative journalist John Palmer had reported that evidence for the Brabant massacres now points to a not insignificant extreme right wing group, including neo Nazi, called Westland New Post, or WMP, the militant wing of the Belgian ultra right wing organization Front de la Jeunesse, and was founded by Paul Latinas. When, in January 1981, the left-wing magazine Poor exposed the right-winger in the government and his connections, Latinas abandoned his public offices and fled to Pinochet's Chile. The magazine went on to claim he'd been implanted specifically to train the WMP how to carry out violent attacks, how to organize military training camps, and how to carry out surveillance. Martial Le a Belgian gendarme from 1972 to 1984, fled to Florida in the United States shortly after, Later served as an expert witness and press informant of what happened in Brabant in the mid-1980s. He's quoted as saying, We knew we were protected by all the possible authorities depending on the type of mission. Was he, Paul Latinas, Latinus, paid by the Americans? I can't say. But he was in contact with them. It was journalist Haquin who later provided the missing link in this in this whole case. An interview with WMP terrorist Paul Latinus. This is Haquin speaking. When we met up at the following days and weeks, I asked Latinus who had asked him to build the group, the WMP. He mentioned state security. He talked to foreign military authorities. I pushed him and he eventually said American military secret services. He later clarified under oath that in his own testimony to Belgian authorities, it was the DIA, the Pentagon Intelligence. Shortly after this, on April 24th, 1985, Latinus was found by his girlfriend, strangled in his basement, hung by a phone cord with his feet still touching the ground. Hakuin, the journalist who interviewed him previously, would go on to write, Each time when they attempted to reconstruct the suicide, the telephone cord broke. It could not hold his weight. Hakuin wondered, if the United States have nothing to do with the massacres, why then do they not communicate, keep silent, and leave suspicions to grow?
0: And that you hear is not the plot to your newest and even slower Hideo Kojima title. (laughs) <laughs> it is one of the many events of the shadowy formation that is Operation Gladio, which Woo. we will be taking apart in our new and exciting series, Yanks and Tanks. No thanks, <laughs> we haven't named it yet. We're going to name it, this episode we're going to name it, and we'll it's a cross it podcast.
4: How about um, the highway bo- bone usually breaks in Belgian men? <laughs> <laughs> That's normal.
2: Belgians are known for incredibly weak high bones.
0: The the main problem we're having, I think, is the title's over eight words long.
2: (laughs) Well, that's the problem with Gladio in general, is if you ever try to sit down and explain it to anyone, it just takes a million years. Wait, (laughs) what?
0: Brussels is different than Belgium?
3: I thought you were just explaining the plot of the Hillary Clinton thriller novel that you just wrote. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> i think i got it she's i actually, think i got the title
1: okay aren't you glad i didn't say eo
0: anders from the mouths of babes <laughs> clearly this will be our title and this is a poddam america corner spady collaboration project let's do a quick roll call alex is here along with jake flores
3: agent flores present
0: anders lee anders Lee here. the corner spady podcast
2: Hey, it's Kieran Dold. My agent name is pending, but it will be German for no reason. Don't look into why it's German.
4: <laughs> hey, I'm Rob. Um, Codename, Lacuna. Ooh, <laughs> Lacuna. <laughs> wow.
0: Yes, and again, as a point of order, if you have an agent name, it's best to tell everyone in a big meeting so they know <laughs> and can associate it with your real name.
3: God, I wish I had thought of Lacuna. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, fuck. You fuck. Know, my name uh, is Anne Dursley
2: oh my Uh, god oh mysterious never see it coming and is short for anders (laughs) ah fuck (laughs) (laughs) anders dursley
0: anders anders dursley well folks today uh we're going to try the hardest anyone has ever tried to keep this podcast under two hours while we open up just the beginning of the conversation what was operation gladio and how come none of us have ever heard of it before? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: I once sat down an Austrian political science student and explained Gladio and watched his whole fucking face <laughs> dropping. Like, you learned nothing in college. <laughs>
5: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, it's
4: particularly bad. I mean, it's always easy to talk about Americans being ignorant about the rest of the world. But I would say in my, at least in, in my experience, people in Europe know less about Gladio mm. than even a, uh, you know, a certain kind of uh, leftist podcast listener in the U.S.
0: Yeah, which is surprising because you would assume that, like, Americans don't know about it because it's just, like, a thing that takes place somewhere else. But you can't get much more Euro news than this. We're going to be saying all kinds of old French names.
2: Oh, yeah. It's going to be great. And it's also uh, uh, particularly uh, terrifying when you also, like, a lot of the events that we'll discuss happen from, like, 45 onwards, which is, like, sure, I can understand people not necessarily knowing about history, but this all came out in, like, 90s to... Like, some of the revelations come out, like, early 2000s. And, like, everyone I talked to was alive during mm-hmm. that. <laughs> it's not, like, really ancient history. So, uh,
1: and what uh, sparked the revelations? I assu- My assumption would be that the 90s ones... May have had something to do with Oliver Stone's JFK, and uh, is that <laughs> is that no, seriously? Because that that uh, in the U.S. anyway, that caused the government to disclose a lot of stuff and you know kick the can down the road as they're still doing about releasing some documents. But did that why why, oh. why uh, those two periods was was the information released?
0: Can can we say what the thing is before we get into yeah, whether Oliver Stone's film <laughs> influenced it or not? <laughs> <laughs> who,
4: who can do it? Kieran, do you think you can summarize Gladio? I, I can
2: give you the sentences? Wikipedia, like, w- the what you tell your mom Gladio is. Gladio was a stay-behind operation. Stay-behind operations are nothing new. Uh, the idea being that we have a army that exists within a country that has been recently occupied. Um, and they exist to do guerrilla warfare and sabotage against the occupying power. Operation Gladio in specific was a the Italian branch of what was an entirely Western European and American project to set up these stay-behind armies in waiting in mostly NATO member countries and some others um, in case of a Soviet invasion to sabotage uh, the USSR if they invaded Italy, Austria, Germany, Belgium, wherever else. Um, That's that's the that's the kind of like vanilla way you can describe it. The the two ways that this went wrong was or right depending on who you're (laughs) Uh, exactly as planned. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) is that um, the army didn't first of all didn't really start doing shit when the USSR invaded. For any of you history buffs out there, you might have known that Italy was never invaded by the USSR. Uh, uh they got they jumped the gun a bit and started doing shit beforehand. They had kind of complete judicial diplomatic immunity. And the second thing that went wrong, and I think there's a there's a good BBC documentary on Gladio in the early 90s that makes this case, which is very interesting, which is uh, you know, they're told, you know, communists are the enemies, communists are the enemies, the USSR, they're gonna come, blah, blah, blah. But then Cuba happens, and all of them suddenly click. Italy's not going to become communist because the USSR invades. It'll become communist because the Italian people want it to become communist. And then that switches from the Soviets to the enemy to everyone around me is my enemy. Um, And that starts rearing its ugly head in a lot of very specific ways.
1: And not to get too bogged down on the weeds here, but he also had Greece at the time, which during World War II... The uh, I believe the royal Greek royal family had been sort of in exile and they had like a communist uh, movement, very robust one at that time. And then they were threatening to – it looked like they were going to take over Greece, but they were – this was like the sort of the first foot put down by the United States post-World War II in a way. Uh, Truman Mm -hmm. was like, we're not going to let communism happen in Greece. That was the public face of it. And then there was this sort of – more um, secretive clandestine shit.
0: Yeah. Right. The spicy oh. nugget that may not appear up front in the Wikipedia page, which is still worth giving a click if you have the time, mm. uh, is the concept of the project is a network that will be able, that you could call on to hold off the Soviets if the Soviets invade. But when you ask the follow up question, of who specifically comprises a group that would join a network of people who would be interested (laughs) in killing people if the Soviets invade, it's surprisingly all of the fascists we were trying to kill just three months before. So it is an intentional plan by global capitalism and the Allied powers to essentially put fascists back in control or at least maintain their political place at the table through the 20th century.
4: i would even take one perhaps one layer further uh and i guess we also have to specify that all of this because of the strict secrecy of not only nato or records but like the uh post world war ii um european states supranational intelligence networks um the whole point is a certain kind of uh secrecy is a kind of confusion which frustrates um not only political organizing, but any kind of uh, left-wing challenge or revolutionary challenge to the state. And so, it is not a coincidence that *Gladio* is built out of World War II, and it's not a coincidence that World War II is itself a culmination of the forces of um, the uh, the workers' movement, of uh, fascism emerging in Europe, of all of these challenges to the uh, the idea of a you know liberal democratic capitalist state mm. um, and the contradictions it's going through yeah and so y- you almost have to like take a step back and remember that like even the I don't know what you want to call it the narrative or the uh, the story you're told which is that we live in a liberal democratic state where everything's you know there's a rule of law um, that certainly wasn't the case when these same countries were uh, you know colonizing the world. Um, Mm. there's certainly no rules about that and and with the rise of a challenge to you know uh, or not not just a challenge but like an actual outgrowth of the contradictions of the state in the form of revolutionary movements the state the very easily um, not only spawns fascism and fascist movements in in certain areas of its existence in certain states but also the ability for the liberal state to be to have like a state of exception right that there's a, the the power of the state is to centralize you know to monopolize uh violence and to have basically unchecked sovereignty uh, which can be applied however it may see fit and so whereas in we were talking earlier that even the, uh, an idea like uh, a fifth column which is referenced a lot mm. comes from the Spanish Civil War yep And so it is when these states face a revolutionary challenge from their own citizens or the citizenry that suddenly, okay, the the very idea of that everyone in a state or in a nation state could have citizenship is fundamentally undermined because they are a security threat. And so that is the fundamental bedrock of any kind of uh, peacekeeping of making the world safe for democracy, of course, quote unquote, really making the world, world safe for capital, that Gladio is i think one of the most um interesting certainly one of the most evocative cases of how that actually played out in reconstructing a new world order Hmm. post-world war ii the
0: the conclusion here is pretty scandalous right because this is an intentional plan by the military wing of capital to use military force like killing people and kidnapping people and doing terrorism to subvert democracy, which on paper is supposed to be the controlling operative of this whole thing. And if it's not, that means there's something else guiding this whole system, which we know is capitalism. But uh, with that said, the real question about Gladio uh, is why if it's public information, does no one know about it, which gets back to (laughs) Andrew's question. Uh, If you read this Wikipedia article, it says on the side, there's a little sidebar that says uh, Operation Gladio was a CIA mission and blah 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 and it ended in 1990. <laughs> so, in what ways did this end in 1990? <laughs> and in what ways is this just the world we live in, I guess is the question.
2: So, okay. Ooh, God damn it. Um, so I guess the 1990 is the key date because that's when we get like the Andriatti uh, uh, drop. Uh, former Prime Minister of Italy andriati uh, is the one who kind of comes out and be like fuck all you bitches uh we were doing insane anti-democratic shit um this is this is for you not being uh, 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 for not letting me be prime minister for longer i i really don't know his <laughs> motivation for it but he basically dropped it it's so fucking funny because like when he says like and this was happening all over europe they like uh, uh, the authorities in France were like, "Nah, we weren't doing it." And then he came back, be like, "I saw you at the meeting last week." <laughs> <laughs> like, it was just like the most petty bullshit. You
4: took the last parfait from the buffet table. I still have. <laughs> I'm still pissed. I mean, it, I wanted it, that.
2: It's super interesting. Like, um, Italy in general in the early '90s is super interesting because, like, at the same time, their conventional parties all collapse. Um, you have the Clean Hands Trial, where like basically everyone in the government and the civil service is just like arrested right um
4: which i think also there's there's new light shed on that in the context of gladio too. absolutely because yeah. one of the um instigating circumstances in italy was a specific judge re- researching a specific case yeah in which you know it's the, the bologna bombing, i think was uh, the bologna massacre the one the 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 judge casson was that 1972 bombing of oh, like it was yeah. like a car bomb next to um the carabinieri the Italian paramilitary police oh yeah that they that that blamed on the left <laughs> that's one of the things and that then, like they're like undid in Italy this is like the biggest the bomb we've ever found yeah. only NATO has this that's
2: uh, a big bomb so uh, Italy I- Italy in yeah. general is often a very interesting case in the yeah. early 90s but I think one of the things that happens about like what diffuses this is one it's kind of like a slow reveal of, like, whoa, what's happening in Italy? And then, like, maybe next week, maybe next month, it comes down the press in, like, Spain or Portugal. Is like, oh, shit, we were doing that, too. And, like, the story is kind of stretched out very slowly over a handful of months across Europe. Similarly, and, like, even years. Like, we didn't know about Finland until, like, the early 2000s or late 90s that Finland had a stay-behind army. Um, similarly... The top story in the early 90s was probably not what was going on in Italy at the time. It was probably the fact that the entire Soviet bloc is collapsing. Mm. Okay. Um, and what's happening to all the Eastern European countries. Which um, nicely
0: coincides with the time to tell everyone you've had a secret army the whole time because you can immediately yeah. go, but we don't need it anymore. Right, exactly. So don't exactly. worry about it because it's and not th- a problem.
2: Yeah, and I also just want to say that while the 1990 understanding of events and Andreotti's leaks like, is like where a lot of people in the wikipedia article tells you the story starts that's actually not true in the opening monologue where i talked about belgium you notice that like investigative reporter in 1988 is uncovering shit in 1985 in 1983 in 1981 is uncovering shit in belgium similarly one of the big drops of information if you want to call it that i hate that i use the word drop i hate the internet's done this to me <laughs> but um, the one of the big Loads of information was actually the end loads of... Loads is a much better term,
3: not from the end at all.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, it's Australian. It's fine. Um, it just means lots of. Uh, let me see. Yeah, the, the big one was uh, when Ustado Nuevo uh, uh, collapsed the uh, fascist dictatorship of Portugal in 1974, and they did a raid on the offices of a fake press organization called Agente Press, which for anyone who doesn't know, that was the Gladio wing of Portugal. And in there they're just like, well, wow, there's a bunch of like ex-paramilitary French guys who were like registered with this company um, who all have addresses in like Pinochet's Chile or like fascist Bolivia now and things like that. And um, Yeah, the big piece of information I guess comes out in the 90s was, uh, with Andreotti is actually yeah, all the shit was connected. Uh, While Belgium was investigating its own shit, while Portugal was investigating its own shit, um, they started to realize, and also Italy as well, like a lot of these trials started before 1990 and things were getting suspicious. Um, It was Andreotti's piece of information in 1990 that was like, um, these clandestine networks were all helping each other Hmm. do this shit.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a conspiracy. It's a classical (laughs) Illuminati-style conspiracy, but real and recent, (laughs) and these stay-behind armies are not the point men of these operations because you have a recurring uh, phenomenon during this where the president you vote for and the election on TV is aware of it, and even if you put the socialist in office or whatever— They get a guy in a suit who shows up in their office and tells them they can't do certain things. Um, So this goes to my hypothesis for uh, why this is not a big spectacle in the media. And I think it's because people don't want to know about it. It's very inconvenient. (laughs) It kind of ruins your entire perception of society. Mm. Uh, And uh, lays bare all of the skeletons in all of the closets. And you find out Nine tenths of the rooms in your house closets.
1: But maybe the fact that they admitted to it is the U.S. being like, because yeah, at the time in in uh, like the eighties and stuff, the Donald Trumps of the world were like, America needs to get even tougher with the Soviet Union. I can't believe we're not blowing up you know people every day. Why aren't we doing secret shit all the time and uh, and being more aggressive? And I bet a lot of these uh, intelligence officials are like, oh, if you only knew. Djt, oh brother,
0: <laughs> we're blowing up grocery stores left yeah. and right. Yeah, and
1: once and once the you know the thing fell, they were like, couldn't wait to brag about it because they thought this was a good thing.
2: We'll get to it, but actually, a lot of details come out because CIA guys really love writing autobiographies <laughs> when they retire. They're memoirs. That's the deal. Remember, okay. have you ever seen? Yeah, their memoir. Burn, uh, burn after reading. Yeah, I'm going to be the next Ian Fleming, so help me, God. <laughs> <laughs>
4: I think um, your point, Alex, is especially true in Europe because it would seem the most uh, germane to, you know, there's a lot of talk of the EU and, you know, a new pan-European politics instead Mm -hmm. of this, like, national tribalism or whatever. And then one of the
2: parties that uh, advocates for that the strongest is, like, heavily tied with McKinsey and Co. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) Um,
4: (laughs) On this podcast, we've ventured once or twice, what does Europe even mean? Uh, Is it just, like, a, a... catholic scheme to get people to uh to uh, <laughs> reassert the monarchy yeah. in some form is it um is it just yeah is it is a certain kind of um uh white na- i guess white nationalism isn't yeah. the right word but yeah europe is defined in opposition white to Asia. supremacy yeah. um at some point it was uh the workers movement certainly thought that we are like literally the international was the collection of european workers parties trying yeah. to define something in europe and then at some point it's no it's you know fascism as a reaction to that yeah. and liberalism and and uh capitalism is pretty flexible with what exactly this container of europe is and post-world war ii i don't think this is a an exaggeration at all like gladio is europe there is no europe after world war ii right it is destroyed it is been <laughs> gone through yeah. however mil- uh, millions of deaths uh both in war and through you know um systematic extermination
2: yeah the 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 nazis killed as many slavic people in the east that they did jewish people in concentration camps like it's and whole parts of this continent are just useless functionally and useless
4: of course one of the dividing of the europe we know today hmm. that one of the dividing lines is this ideological one between the west and the east and soviet communism and uh western liberal capitalism and so if europe is going to mean anything basically a new something you have to wipe the slate clean and Gladio is basically uh, in the same way that Europe had to reassert itself to the challenge of the revolutionary movements. Mm. Gladio was the connective tissue that defined the new Europe. And so this brings me up to the 1990 and the you know the end of the Cold War and the revelations. I mean saying it's a limited hangout implies a certain degree of cooperation, which who knows maybe there was yep. but it's certainly uh, I, on the one hand, They can almost absolve themselves of what needed to be done to reach this point in 1990, the abutting, uh, you know, interconnected Europe abutting, Mm -hmm. you know, definitely on the path to where we are today with the level of uh, what we have with the European Union. Um, It's like Europe going from phase one to phase two. And it's quite convenient that all of the bad stuff that had to happen to get there, you can wash your hands of at the same time you're saying, well, we're going to build a new open kind of democratic politics. And yeah. it almost doesn't matter. Right, right, right. right. We do don't need to, to talk about here.
2: phase one anymore.
5: Yeah, we're yeah, past yeah. phase one. Yeah. It's actually, oh, well, actually,
2: a lot of European countries actually do love that. It was like literally with Italy It was like, no, no, no. That was the first republic. This is now the <laughs> second <laughs> Italian <laughs> republic. So straight to voicemail. <laughs> yeah, completely unrelated. We're all the same guys.
3: For clarity, can you just find that term limited hangout? Because I think oh, that's sure. pretty important um, to what's kind of going on here with Mister. Yeah, I
4: so I mean, my attempt would be that in any kind of uh, covert operations or uh, secret uh, uh, knowledge of what's going on if in uh, from security or intelligence, uh, a limited hangout would be uh, revealing some facts of the case to quell public interest or maybe there's rumors or there's a push by independent judges or whatever it might be yeah. to try to clarify what's going on a limited hangout would be to reveal some aspects of what happened in order to you know dust your hands theatrically and say well that's everything and then move on yeah
2: right. it's it's, a, it's that classic teenage technique you learn when you're trying to get one by your parents of like don't lie to your parents and say that you're like oh, I'm going to the library to, like, study in advance for exams because that's just completely unbelievable. You lie by telling them some of the bad stuff you've done so you don't have to tell them the really bad stuff you've done. Did that work? (laughs) Yeah, sometimes.
1: (laughs) I was uh, 10 yards away from a guy with a cigarette.
2: I admit that I ate one piece of cake that I shouldn't have. (laughs) Rather than three, I admit I shot I up have. one supermarket that I shouldn't <laughs> yeah, have. I merely shot up one supermarket. My, I'm sure some of the Belgian gladiators. I didn't said use that. the RPG. Uh, there's no way. I would
1: just tell my parents what I did in like 11th grade, and there was no way they believed me because it was always like, yeah, me and my friends, we got some cookies and listened to Steve Reich play piano music for three hours. <laughs> like, you what? you weren't smoking pot? And like, it seemed like I was Andrew, lying because it was just sucks. so fucking lame.
3: My Go to your and room, were, Anders.
4: My, my friends and I literally would drive around town, and then we'd like drive over into the left lane, like oncoming traffic, and do British accents, and then drive back to the right lane. <laughs> <line. laughs> so you know, we
2: that's, were, what, yeah. that's what Massachusetts is like. <laughs> this, wasn't, oh, so this wasn't in Britain.
4: <laughs> no, 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 Just no, kidding. No.
2: Uh,
0: <laughs> if, you, if you're listening at home as a child, tell your parents if you're doing Operation Gladio. Seek yeah, help. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Better don't, don't involve yeah, minors
1: yeah. that's a good question if i do say
5: so myself oh
2: no actually uh, uh um well possibly in some capacity mm. but going to the uh thing that Alex said about recruitment which was like uh you know we specifically don't want to recruit any communists or socialists this becomes particularly farcical in like belgium the netherlands luxembourg and france where um, the stay-behinds were actually started during Nazi occupation to initially fight the Nazis Really? yes and these are the allied sponsored partisans which even then had like no commies no socialists allowed um, you have to be conservative monarchist was probably the most common or like a French fascist that was pissed, pissed off that they were hegemonically fascist like I don't like this German fascism I want to do French mm. fascism
0: uh, is there Anderson? anything worse than when you're French and getting German
2: fascism? I know, and that knows. wasn't
1: quite uh, Vichy. Is that so? Vichy was like we're French, but we we accept that the German are our superiors.
2: They were still like a puppet government. There was still going to be like some French na- uh, uh, fr- fascist who was pissed off with this. Yeah. You'll find right. Them, you you didn't set them, that up. Yeah, you this is them.
0: German fascism with a like all ages advised sticker on. It is it bullshit. And that's the thing. In even Germany,
1: there are a bunch of different. Not your fascist parties, not necessarily Nazi parties like people always say, oh, Asperger, he wasn't a Nazi. He was not a member of the Nazi party. Yeah, but he was the member of some other far right party that had, you know, basically the same beliefs.
2: Yeah that's the, a, that's one of the like funniest things uh, uh, uh rob said in the past before about the sound of music where they like the scene where he tears up the like yeah. nazi flag like the reason he would be doing that was because like i hate this fascism it's not like our good catholic austrian the fascism yeah. 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 <laughs> this stupid yeah. pagan fascism
4: uh, the, <laughs> one thing I, I want to say uh just because whenever you're talking about quote-unquote conspiracies which again this has been documented yeah. um is that you can assume a certain kind of yeah, omnipotence on the part of yeah insert in you know secret cabal here, mm. but the uh, the struggle between and among uh, rival powers, rival state powers, um, what's the old phrase that the states the committee to the committee There's the bourgeoisie the bourgeoisie yeah yes yeah. Um, executive the committee of capital. Yeah. But there's a there's a lot of competing executive committees, right? So you'll have France being like, no, 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 we we got this. We, we don't need NATO or like yeah. trying to say we can do it ourselves. France is such an interesting to country. do the same thing right in, in their own sphere of influence. And so when we're talking about, you know, French fascism or German fascism, I think it's best. It's best to understand that there is tension and competition even going on yep. within and among these different forces. We can talk about some examples later um, that can somehow that's kind of natural that's inevitable mm. that often opens opportunities for you know perhaps uh people who <laughs> don't, don't want don't want to live like this to yeah. uh, to uh, maybe do something but that's absolutely a central part of all of this
2: and one aspect that's worth mentioning is like while there was coordination and stuff like that that was all being facilitated by the americans and the british to an extent as well um one of the most fascinating things I find about the whole Gladio saga, and we'll do, like, an episode about this in the future, is just France. Because, like, France starts to get this, like, kind of a sense of embarrassment or, like, I don't know how you would describe it, of just, like, the new world order and post-world war order is being set up and France is told it's one of the victors, but they're not really at the big kids table like the UK and the U S are. Mm.
4: They noticed that they were given the Saarland, and when they divided up Germany and yeah, like, this is not, this is not enough. Cause
2: like, they're uh, not doing Anglo excellence with us. Exactly. And like they started to realize they don't really have control over like the CIA affairs happening in their country um basically every other Gladio operation was being run by a triumvirate which was Americans, Brits, and then uh, you know, the complicit locals. So like in the Dutch one, you'd have the Dutch involved, but like France is just sitting there being like, Wait, Britain got invited to all the rest and we didn't, basically. Is like a huge kind of weird motivator of everything that happens. Um And naturally, when, you know, France starts to resist a little bit, they start to try and kill the French president. (laughs) Right. Which is why
0: uh, it's important to get to, as we round out our intro segment here, that this is a 40-year operation taking place over around
2: 15 countries. How many (laughs) countries
0: are involved in this? Uh,
2: Okay. So all the countries of NATO plus Spain, uh, Austria, Switzerland, Finland and what was the fourth neutral country Sweden Sweden
4: which again just that we know of. for the most pedantic argument it's like oh when you sign up for NATO you sacrifice some of your freedoms for the security reasons and it's like those countries weren't in NATO. Yeah, so why the also, fuck do they have, to have your bullshit? Uh, 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 why uh, is
0: the, NATO still around if there is no Soviet mm, Union? Oh my God, mm-hmm. it all it's all coming clear. Um, now
2: you got the new you got you got the new expansion pack. We've got Macedonia, Albania, Croatia. We can do all sorts of crazy shit here. Poland, they're super eager. Let's mm. go, NATO heroes of the abyss um i think it's also we're pointing out about like the whole ending in the 90s thing i just want to draw attention to one thing which is like a lot of gladio stuff happens in in greece i, I think that's called operation sheepskin and uh, uh yeah and also in turkey which i believe is called operation counter gorilla uh, yes, yes. counter gorilla and they like and then that all kind of culminates in like the invasion of Cyprus and the attempted coup in Cyprus, which, like, the CIA kind of backed, like, the CIA backed the, um, the coup of Samson, the pro, like, unify with fascist Greece candidate of Cyprus. And, like, Cyprus was running a riot with, like, CIA people with MI6 more so, because it was a former British protectorate and still kind of was. But then, like, oh, it ends in the 90s, but actually one of the things that's, like, one of the most overlooked... Um, bits of the Snowden leaks was that Cyprus is crawling with CIA uh, operating like black sites and listening posts because it's close to the Middle East. So we'll just take that. Thank you very much.
0: All right. There, my point is, there's so much going on here. We're going to really have to make a special effort to focus on just the thing we're talking about that day, because oh, otherwise, this conversation is going to be wild and unfollowable. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> um, so, the question for today, for part one of our exciting new series, uh, origins: What happened?
2: Oh my god, okay, Nazism. I
1: mean, it's it's interesting <laughs> how. I've said this many times, but like World War II is uh, one of the only wars American kids learn about in school that our country was involved in. And because it's like the one time where we actually had a real bad guy, right? It was actually worth uh, worth putting the kibosh on, but that was not uh, clear from the jump if uh, for the American government. Um, but how were they sort of gaming this out during the war, right? Because it seems like they were reluctant to get in, the U.S. was, and – uh far more concerned the entire time about uh the soviets than than they were really the nazis is that fair to say
0: well it depends on who you're talking about right because if you're talking about operation gladio which is a cia operation Dulles is concerned about the soviet union before the war begins they're fascist sympathizers um and that's why you have Project Paperclip at the end of the war, picking up these guys, because while Mm. they're fighting Germany, they're aware the entire time they would like to be fighting and after this will be fighting the Soviet Union. Right. So from the departmental momentum of the CIA, this is entirely a containment strategy in part of their plan for the global clash between socialism and the global free market. Right. Right. I, by dollars.
2: I would say I think we talked about like World War II as this beginning glad um, it's also pointing out the Gladio is older than the CIA is formally uh, it started with the precursor the OSS uh, um, and also MI6 and MI5 had a huge involvement as well um, it's older than NATO as well I think back then it was called the Western Union um, but if we want to talk about real origins and if we're talking about Gladio as like the anti-communist effort in Europe, uh, then I think the clear dividing line is probably the Spanish Civil War, because that's when uh, the Western powers in the form of during the Spanish Civil War, the US, France and the UK make a basically uh, an active effort to say we're not supporting the republicans the republicanos uh, the 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 socialists, marxists anarchists that make up this united front against franco uh they mainly do this by saying there's a blockade against spain while they're having a civil war but breaking their own blockade and giving oil to franco to fuel his tanks and jeeps and moroccan mercenaries um which run on oil i guess the um So that's kind of like your beginning of it. And like I said, during the war, uh, in a lot of very Western Europe, there's these stay-behinds that are like partisan continuation stay-behinds that are like basically built from the partisan network of people who are providing like resistance to Nazi occupation. And the allied-backed partisans were already anti-communist. No communists allowed. Communists need not apply. Even though and farcically so they were the most successful resistance to the nazi occupation in like the benelux countries and france um so it was weird specifically weird to not involve them um yeah the spanish civil of-
0: war is is fun culturally too because i feel like common knowledge about this Purely off the back of George Orwell's homage to Catalonia is that Stalin (laughs) fucked up the Spanish Civil War like they were going to win, but he like came and insisted on arresting all the authors. (laughs) (laughs) And there's a lot more going on to it than that.
2: Uh, Everyone named George. (laughs) Reminds me of Georgia and my childhood. I don't want to think about it.
4: (laughs) (laughs) I think the, the term that always springs to mind for me is forever war, which we use in a very modern sense, but I think starting with Spanish Civil War and when we're talking about the U.S. perspective on World War II and the fact that the OS, something like you mentioned earlier, Kieran, that say behind networks are nothing new in warfare, right? So there were um, partisan networks, both, you know, trying to be set up by Western powers and also independent communist ones in different theaters of the war in Europe. And from the U.S. perspective, I think, and from an intelligence perspective, the idea is that this will be, a literally a forever war at least until you know all all you know possible threats to <laughs> like a like a capitalist world order are neutralized it, so, it was
0: europe's <laughs> earliest call of duty battlegrounds map that they were hoping, <laughs> hoping they could just keep playing for another 50 years yeah
4: yeah if, if you just stay in the room the whole time they can't kick you out <laughs> <laughs> yeah. just don't turn off the xbox <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah,
0: yeah. just keep buying coffee
4: um and yeah i think that's base- that's the best way to think about it because okay if 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 there's still a war if even if we tell all the everyone that you know the war's over uh right. if there's still a war going on from the from the point of view of the the state or or intelligence services then they're going to still do warfare and if you're still going to do warfare then you know, things get a bit ugly in war and maybe you're going to do false flag bombings of uh, a bunch of farmers yeah. <laughs> in a
2: plaza in Milan.
0: You mentioned the fifth column earlier. What is that?
2: Oh, okay. I can, I can give you the fifth column story because I've been obsessed with Gladio, Iberia, Spain, and Portugal. But like mm. during the Spanish civil war, one of Franco's generals arrived at Madrid, uh, which was a Republican socialist Marxist stronghold. Um, the anarchists were further north in Catalonia, They um, then he basically declared publicly with his, like, outside, you know, the walls or the border of Madrid, with his four columns of, like, troops being like, these are my four columns, and I have a fifth column inside Madrid. How do you like me now? And that was a complete lie. There wasn't a fifth column of Francoist troops within Madrid, but... The people within Madrid started freaking the fuck out, uh, because they're like, there is a secret legion, uh, a a column, like I don't know how many troops that is, uh, eighty probably, <laughs> uh, um, in Madrid, ready to go, um, and to let in those other four guys. So, that's the origin of the term the fifth column. Yeah, and
4: uh, and I was using it just in the sense of uh, we, I, we've been talking a lot about the state mm-hmm. doing all this because it is like you know, organized from these specific groups of, you know, coordinating groups. But the flip side of that is, you know, the people or the nation or whatever it might be. And I think the fifth column, even the idea of a fifth column is like, oh, well the state cannot trust the people, uh, whatever it, you know, that, that, that kind of tenuous link can just be severed when the state, you know, deems it necessary.
2: Yeah. The people become the fifth column. <laughs> <laughs> they cannot be trusted.
4: And so then it's okay if, you know, that if people have to die because it's for, you know, or if people die, if people get killed in whatever mm. operation is going on, because it is for some, you know, it's that's not really the point. And I think when you take a really zoomed out view of the development of capitalism, you could even say uh, human civilization, the fact that the state is, you know, protecting the people is a very is just a very small sliver, <laughs> and mm-hmm. of course also not very many people when you think about it. But I think post World War II there's a bit of, I don't know, new realpolitik where it's just certain groups will be, have a privileged position of protection, you know, almost like a racket. And if you're on the communist, let's say, then you're under attack. And if you're like the petite bourgeoisie, you know, stay with us and we'll make sure, uh, the, you know, yeah, we might, we probably won't shoot you. I so mean put this like,
0: in language yeah. that everyone would understand, is this, uh, maybe a government's version of a side hustle or a <laughs> daily grind they keep yeah. going they
2: were underground but, but
4: it's like it's kind of the whole hustle right i mean it's it's to yeah. it's to keep the the spice flowing because uh, in some you you uh i think we, we were talking about some cases earlier hmm. we've been talking a lot about like big state level things but like a lot, sometimes these uh, stay behind networks are just used to break strikes you know yeah. something like that like the point is that it's not like a nice nation you live in. It's like these are all just you know you're somewhere in a supply chain, mm. and the se- and the security's intelligence job is to make sure that stays well lubricated
2: i feel like the state is a new boyfriend and he tells you this is his side (laughs) hustle but then after a couple of weeks of living with him you realize oh this is your whole deal (laughs) everything that was on the tinder profile or whatever that was a fucking lie (laughs) you do not hike as much as you let on
3: (laughs) yeah really a professional dj
2: No, I just murder Belgian shoppers. I'm sorry.
3: <laughs> For my comedy career, it's going to take off anytime soon. <laughs> I'm just going to murder yeah. a few more shoppers. Just,
2: just, yeah, I'll murder a couple of more, and then there will be no more communists left. Swearsies.
0: <laughs> so the Spanish Civil War happens. Stay behind networks. Start becoming in vogue mm-hmm. as the entire continent is plunged into fire. Right? Yep. Um, World War II happens. If you'd like to hear what happened in World War II, check out any TV show.
4: <laughs> Go to the History Channel right now.
0: Yeah, probably. <laughs> Go ahead and hit subscribe to Dan Carlin or something. Uh, World
2: War II is the, uh, uh, the three things you're allowed to know about history if you're a dad, which is World War II, the Civil War if you're American, and the Roman Empire. Uh, Those are the three avenues of dad history. I like all those things.
1: (laughs) I wonder what it's going to be in like a hundred years. Like the first Gulf War dads are going to know about. No, I think
2: the the three, the three, the three uh, uh, dad history wars are universal. Because it's been a long time since the Roman Empire, if you haven't I guess this, so. Okay, I guess so. <laughs> Future dads are going to be really into Gladio. They're oh, they going to see Gladio everywhere. Like, yeah, uh, I'm a dad I'm into Gladio.
4: They're just watching like cartoons, and they're like, "Wiley, Wiley E Coyote could not get that many
2: explosives by himself. Who yeah. gave him? Yeah, who? <laughs> who had- Where's Wiley Coyote's like cash? In what is presumably Arizona." It's uh,
3: Gladio Dadio. Should we name it that? <laughs> Gladio okay, Something? Yeah. Not bad. Oh. Glad bad. Dad, Gladio.
0: Yeah. God damn it.
3: We're, we'll get it. We'll find
0: we'll it. it. <laughs> I'm so <laughs> fucking mad all the time.
3: <laughs> Gladio Daddyo. Nobody's nope, stopped nope. to
0: ask what the Roadrunner actually did. Is that a question we're allowed to
3: Wait,
0: ask?
1: Wait. Well, <laughs> I never really even thought about what. where does the name Gladio come from?
0: oh it's uh so the italian uh version of this is called gladio and it's based on the uh it's the word for sword
2: it is the word for a short sword or a gladius a gladiator sword yes because actually everyone who is in charge of this operation were also into dad history and they were like (laughs) we're naming this after a roman empire thing gladius a short sword
0: just cool dudes all the way down.
3: You were playing Diablo uh, yeah, yeah. and you picked up a Gladius, you would probably throw it away eventually. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Something that glows and is stronger. <laughs>
2: uh, they all had different they all had different names in different countries. Gladio was the first one to get like named, so that name stuck. Okay. But like some of them were just like ridiculous. Like the Austrian one was like The Association for Hiking and Fishing (laughs) um, and stuff like that. Wait, because yeah, the was that just to
3: deter people from knowing what it was that they were really up to, or was it?
2: So one of the requirements of being a gladiator, as they are called by like people who research this, like like operatives within these like stay behind networks, is you need to have a job that would allow you to take. Sojourns to take journeys and breaks without arousing suspicion. So that also like gets into the like class character of who they can hire because that's usually more comfortable jobs. Like a a shopkeeper or a butcher who has to be at the shop every fucking day to get shit done can't be a gladiator because he has to be there every day. If he's gone for two weeks doing a training exercise in Belgium, you'll fucking know um only but,
0: professional like, fishermen
2: <laughs> so that's that is literally why they called it that in austria because it's like yeah this is a club for people to go hiking and that was the thing you could tell your wives being like yeah we're going into the alps for two weeks yeah As it's, it's this the same
3: shit men park. tell their wives when they're going into the woods to have sex with each other or <laughs> right. go to time yeah. to fuck a boy no, that's whatever. medieval
2: europe we'll talk about that another oh. time if you're worried about your <laughs> husband
3: he could maybe he's in gladio maybe he's not cheating on you
2: yeah. <laughs> i'm not cheating on you sweetheart i'm killing innocent <laughs> yeah.
1: name it's also oh thank god these names were not- like a hot button issue at the like little uh dad fact of my own uh in britain winston churchill kept telling them to ha- come up with more serious sounding operations names because he's like i'm not gonna tell some mother that his son died in <laughs> operation <laughs> pumpernickel
3: that's so funny they can't resist the nerd shit it's so funny and uh, honestly i wouldn't be able to either it sounds if you're up to something this crazy and evil you might as well call it like operation Hmm. winter blizzard or something because you might die doing it
2: i mean i have respect for the ones who are just like being a bit more literal like the the Dutch one was called operations and intelligence, but the Danish one was like highly nerd shit because it was named after like a medieval Danish monk who fought Russian invasion. Yeah. Uh, so it was like Ab- Absalon Ooh. or something like that. Yeah, that is. Uh... But some of the operations just have the names of the fronts, like Ajinter Press in Portugal as well. They were all claiming to be journalists, like going around the world. My favorite is
1: uh, Just Cause because it's so defensive. Like, yeah, we, <laughs> we had to do this. yeah, yeah. Necessary? Operation Necessary?
3: <laughs> Operation, Isn't... we're just really good friends and we like going camping. I'm not cheating you, <laughs> you your brother. Yeah, how do you say stand your ground in French?
0: <laughs> this all plays wonderfully into the first Stay Behind network I would like to discuss. After the events of World War II that we're just not going to discuss at all, uh, no. you get to 1944. The Germans are starting to notice that things aren't looking good. And mm-hmm. so high command has the idea, what if we create a small detachment of the army that just kind of hangs out and <laughs> they go behind allied lines and just kind of do wily e. coyote style pranks and hopefully we'll put them in there with the normal army and then they'll just be chaos agents and something good will come out of it and then because they're the nazis the name for this group is the werewolves.
2: Ah uh, woo mm. The Wehrwulf.
0: German title, Operation Wehrwolf, which has Wehrwolf. no E after the R, and it's, it's a Wehrwolf. That's very
3: cool. Wehrwolf. Wehrwolf.
0: The The hot story with them is when the war starts going even worse, and the normal army is just straight up defeated everywhere, Goebbels gets on the radio and makes an announcement that this other division that's been hiding out behind Allied lines is actually like a super deadly force that's stronger mm. than the army and they're the werewolves and they'll be fighting for fascism after the war ends which is yeah. not true but it is something no. he said on the radio so if you're a guy in that division maybe you start to believe
3: it he gets on the radio he's like can you dig it <laughs> <Werewolves>, <laughs> rise up
2: <laughs> i mean we do we do recurrently joke on cornish Baity about like dj happy vibes which is mm-hmm. like a, who, who is a real dj by who the way. is a real dj and <laughs> he is fascist as fuck <laughs> uh, <laughs> so not happy vibes but yeah like i do love operation uh uh, uh because it's just like i can imagine Allied command being like "Did you hear on the radio the fascists are still on charge like who said it the minister of propaganda oh uh, oh, <laughs> I didn't say. I didn't think it through. <laughs> I didn't know that. Now that I say it out loud, yeah. Uh, how? What happened to Vevel is kind of funny. Um, mainly because one, it was an operation conducted in secret because a lot of Nazi high command would just not like entertain the idea that they were going to lose. Um, right. Yeah. So. And, like, it's obviously a contingency plan, so, like, you weren't really allowed to talk about it. I think Goebbels was, like, entirely the, like, point man on that. Um, so, yeah, he was the of,
0: go-off head
2: of the <laughs> Nazi party. Because of that, uh, recruitment was quite poor. It was mostly Hitler to so the Hitler youth. Um, so, boys, uh, a lot of kids, uh, um, probably not up to the task of taking on your average GI. Half wolves, half boy. <laughs> Gene Wolves, <laughs> It's literally before the werewolf bar mitzvah joke. Send uh, in
0: my teen wolves!
2: (laughs) They're all just playing basketball, Uh, doing
3: front flips and shit.
2: And uh, I think it ultimately ends up in like, I think everyone active within the werewolves realized, okay, this isn't going to fucking work. So it becomes a a rat line, as it's called. Uh, It basically gets a lot of the remaining SS people or high command people who haven't been killed. Out of the country and to Francoist Spain, where they won't be killed. It's a
0: good place yeah. to be if you're a teen wolf. Uh, <laughs> it's
2: also the role Spain and Portugal basically play throughout Operation Gladio. You you do a you do a big massacre in Italy, and things are getting a little bit hot. Well, we'll just send you off to Spain for a couple of weeks, and you can hide there until Italy forgets or something. <laughs>
0: yeah, things are hot, all right. You can cool down with small plates. Or tapas.
3: Us. Tapas. Us. Very
1: fun. I'm very tempted to ask. This will completely derail, but I'm very tempted to ask <laughs> if Hitler, if you think Hitler escaped, but we will avoid that line of questioning. Uh, but take us to what What were things like Berlin, 1945, regardless of if Hitler made <laughs> his getaway or not. I'm curious what you think about that. But uh, what were was the were things in motion? then and there as the Soviets were closing in and the, because the, they got there first, right? And then the Allied forces show up and sort of call it, they split it in half. And, and what happens then with the uh, stay-behind armies?
4: Yeah, I mean, the, the Soviets got to Berlin first, which was definitely part of, uh, like, that was definitely the the goal. For, there was uh, also uh, for the a lot Soviets. more
2: Germany to the east of Berlin back yeah. then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
4: Um, I mean, it's, it's a common, not, not just in Germany, but also in Italy that, like, the fascists were just like tripping over themselves to go surrender to the the allies. <laughs> like I, that is the Americans in and UK oh. rather than the Soviets. Yeah. Where so they would, is that they why they held out? Shit rocked.
1: I mean, I know who? they had oh, the I ideology mean... that was like we can never surrender, and there were Nazis committing suicide. But were some of them the ones who wanted to live? Were they like we just got to hold out to make sure we don't have to surrender to the communists?
4: Oh yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, I don't even I don't know specific examples. Uh that Borghese is an example given in the book in Italy mm. where he was like a um yeah, basically he led like a paramilitary force that just like tortured and killed across the uh the Salo, the Italian social uh, social republic. Yeah. And it was something like he was like captured by the partisans and they were like going to kill him and then someone like intervened and like brought him to the Americans and then Yeah. You know, He was almost, he was in a coup attempt (laughs) 25 years later. Mm. So, you know, they were, when they're sitting in their bunkers, they're like, if I just wait this out, you know?
2: Yeah. yeah. But, like, for some people, for some Germans, it wasn't an option because, like, we said, the Soviets got to Berlin. And if you're high ranking enough in the Nazi government, that's probably where you're stationed. Um, A lot of them possibly weren't, like, given the opportunity to surrender to the Allies. Yeah. Um,
4: In terms of the rest of, like, the post war. I'm no expert on it, so I shouldn't talk too much. We'll have to come back in a future episode on it. But mm-hmm. like, I think generally, yeah, the uh, the U.S. and the U.K. were thinking about this, like you know, global war. Um, I think Stalin and the, and the the Soviet Union at that time wanted a more regional power, which is what ended up happening with like a uh, Warsaw Pact countries. But they were also very. They didn't want, you know, an, an immediate escalation or confrontation, which no. can explain cases like Greece, um, and that's one of the precip- precipitating uh, reasons for the split between Yugoslavia and the Soviet Union. Of mm. course, Yugoslavia understandably doesn't want <laughs> like a, a Western-backed capitalist Greece on their on their uh, southern border, mm. um, but I do think that the the Soviet Union was more, um,
2: incredibly prudent yeah you yeah you could yeah, say. You, you call it that because like uh, one of the one of the things that like upsets a lot of people when you go into the history of particularly stalinist u s s r was their inability to actually back other communist movements right. they they told communist Greece forces to surrender to the monarchists and the british backed government they supported for a period of time in the chinese civil war Chiang kai shek uh um the kind of like nationalist fascist leader who then went around and then killed all the communists after the fact. Um, yeah. Similarly, Yugoslavia was like one of the problems. There was other things like, if anyone's listened to a uh, 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 podcast that talk about like Cuba and stuff like that, you'll know that like the USSR was incredibly reluctant to back Cuba. Uh, mm-hmm. They had to be basically like almost tricked into it, effectively. Right,
0: and it goes into their overall policy, which <laughs> is a, is almost you can boil it down to or like almost like a personal miscommunication where Stalin was communicating with uh, FDR towards the Mm. end of the war about a state of renewed compromise afterwards and cooperation moving forward. And then uh, FDR, who was the most sick man in the world, suddenly killed over and exploded. (laughs) And the guy they had shipped in after him was not interested in having that conversation. So you have, I mean, the difference between America and Soviet Union at the end of World War II is like two houses next to each other where one is burnt to the ground where you can just see like, the bottom half of the first floor and the other one is just a full untouched house. And then being like, which one's better
2: <laughs> pretty much. And like, it, it's also wild to kind of learn about like what Stalin originally wanted Germany to be in like the Yalta conference. He wanted like big neutral, uh, um, demilitarized Germany, if I'm not mistaken, like not split down the middle, uh, um, like Poland to be formed or whatever. He wanted Klinigrad and stuff like that the baltic sea but like his his original opening gambit was like completely just like a big neutral germany with no soviets no allies but just also no german army
0: what about a big beautiful germany he would say and he would do the hourglass shape with his hands
3: big neutrals
5: (laughs) so (laughs) but yeah it's also
4: it's also kind of obvious but you know austria was also split up there was a soviet sector and it didn't become you know Yeah, yeah become uh uh you know East Austria and West Austria it was just supposed to be neutral
5: yeah
1: so
4: like there were other possibilities
1: Was well, some of the intelligence investment that the us made after the war sort of ju- I mean I know they justified it by exaggerating Stalin's and the Soviet Union's influence in other you know revolutionary situations but were they also using like sort of anti-nazi propaganda where they're like Hitler's still out there he's on the loose we gotta yeah you because know, a lot of people thought that at the time don't mean to come, keep coming back to this but were they using like anti-nazi sort of uh sentiment to justify uh what became
2: gladio oh uh, uh in the allies yes yes america specifically no 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 god no no okay. no don't look too closely about who's like who's staffing the government of west germany please don't don't think about the nazis they're gone uh never think about it again please the USSR did a lot of like anti-Nazi and the like Eastern states as well like the 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 consensus in East Germany that West was yep. that West Germany was like a Nazi continuation state. Mm. Uh, and, and that
4: East Germany defeated the Nazis like And, Easter, yeah, so and whereas, East Yeah, Germany defeated I it. I mean yeah. that's yeah. also is maybe criticized today. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, that. yeah, that's but a like, whole like other. It, it is the West German narrative that developed over some time is this, you know, concept, this never forget and this, you know, yeah. almost like what, yeah, but all of that stuff. But the East German narrative was we, like, we mission accomplished, it. like big yep. banner on a aircraft carrier in the Baltic Sea. Maybe. <laughs>
0: <laughs> if you think about it from the American perspective, there's no reason to get everybody talking about Hitler again when we're trying to get everybody focused on the new enemy and you roll out your big poster of a red bear. Red. <laughs> and it's Fucking a white woman. Somehow, this image will be um, yeah, recycled later. Uh, in one of those
5: hats. <laughs> he's, he's making the not face, but for bears.
0: Uh,
2: yeah, this character yeah. design is recycled later in the nineties to become Clifford the Big Red Dog.
1: film. Uh, <laughs> 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 you
3: can't. He can't be <laughs> trusted.
1: Well, yeah as, yeah. as we talked about before, like the the former Nazi officials were allowed back in governments and heads of corporations and all that stuff. Um, oh Yeah. And were they also recruited directly? Like, how, how much involvement was there? Perhaps with little uh, quid pro quo, they set up you know places for them to escape to in South America in exchange for helping them out with uh, with G to the
4: IO. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, there was direct exchange and collaboration. That's what happened to Klaus Barbie. Oh Santa yeah, yeah, yeah or like whatever, of the, in One of the one of the talk about talk about. Uh, struggle between powers france is like we sentence him to death can do
2: you know where (laughs) no uh whoops don't know uh yeah so like one of the big things with um i think a lot of people know about like the rat lines that led to latin america predominantly and the effects that had but that also happened with the gladiators uh the gladiators were predominantly or a lot of them were fascists that were allowed to stay behind for whatever reason either they just weren't like high ranking in the former fascist governments they were a different kind of fascist, and they disagreed. I uh, There's great videos online of, like, phalangists fighting with Francoists in Spain, and I'm like, I don't understand the difference between you two. Um, <laughs> so there's these, like, kind of, like, things where... This is before be they hired- needed
1: a little Unite the Right. This is before that happened <laughs> and got them all on the same page.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Um, but, like... Speaking of Klaus Barbie, like one of the most notorious uh, uh, um ultra fascist activists from Italy, uh um Stefano Dele Caille. Ca Caille Pepper e. <laughs> Yeah. Um He was like he just like did a bunch of shit in uh, uh he did a bunch of shit in italy then things got too hot so he was moved to spain he did a bunch of shit in spain things got too hot he was moved to portugal did a bunch of shit in portugal i uh, did a bunch of shit in portuguese overseas colonies like angola and then when shit got too hot from there it was like hey just go to bolivia work with klaus you know him uh set up a, you remember klaus you remember right? klaus uh uh yeah like we got him to he was involved directly in like pinochet's Chile. he was de- involved directly in like uh there was a dictatorship in bolivia that i've forgotten the name of yeah yeah uh like it, it was all kind of connected, mm-hmm. but like specifically with the gladiators. You, if you were coming from Germany or Italy, you had to be like low profile enough. You can't. You couldn't have been a known Nazi. Uh, that would have just been like too obvious. Okay, uh, well, we, we talked up- about
0: this a little mm. bit at the end of the uh, of the CIA episode we did with Vincent Bevins last year. Mm. Uh, but in addition to all of the intentional like scientist poaching, we did to fund our space race and stuff like that. And uh, prop up the American military, we are also very nicely stuffing all of the Nazis who fell out of the box back into West Germany so that they can <laughs> run things there. The, the official points yeah. of communication are like these people are the most qualified, <laughs> I guess, because they just had the job under <laughs> Nazi Germany and now they change the title and put them right back in where they were.
4: Yeah, yeah. No, the, the most prominent example of that is uh, Galen. What's his name? Arnold? I forget. Um, who was? You know, basically, his job was like head of some uh, intelligence gathering on the Eastern Front, and he escaped somehow to the West and turned himself in. And he's like, "I know how. I have all this intelligence on the Soviet Union." And they're like, "Great, you're the head of the new head of the new German uh, <laughs> state <laughs> securities yeah. uh, state." Um, that was literally called the Galen organization that directly became. The Bundesnachrichtendienst, which continues today to be the the German, yeah, you know, security uh, a, one of them, I should say. Yeah, a great.
3: Just to back like up to a, a second. It. If you're a longtime listener of the show, you might remember uh, on this ongoing series I've been doing about cocaine and the drug war yes. klaus well, barbie moving to bolivia and having a crazy motorcycle gang there where he gets involved in the drug trade mm. it's yeah. all connected oh yeah,
2: yeah. the literally, oh, the, yeah. the coup that klaus barbie did in uh, uh, um in bolivia i believe is called the cocaine coup <laughs> and he did Based. and he and he did that with notorious gladiator uh, uh notorious gladio member stefano Delli kai 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 Can't do the last name, it's a <laughs> lot of vowels. Ki A E A. Kia. E. <laughs> <laughs> no <idea>. <laughs> <laughs> k- I e. Um But yeah, like they, they all they all hooked up. They were just like, Oh, you you've done you've you've proven yourself a Gladio. How about some operation condor?
5: And
1: speaking um, of hooked mm-hmm. up, one uh hottie who I believe this all redounds back to is uh Anez, right? This uh she, had a connection the the other coup in 2019 that overthrew Morales that, that I believe if I'm not mistaken that party is sort of in the lineage of Barbieism in uh, oh, yeah. in
4: Bolivia yeah uh, uh- and she was
1: yeah it goes
3: all the way to the woman hiding inside yeah. the couch right now and oh, she was one of the finalists
4: for the oh, yeah. uh, she was one of the finalists for this year's like human rights prize from the EU Oh, yeah. god
0: <laughs> <laughs> so She's like stuck we said in the washing machine of freedom
4: radio <laughs> is europe yeah. it's uh, even if they're hiding it a bit now
2: yeah it's a uh, it's a uh, unfortunate <laughs> um, we we just live here but
0: the uh, <laughs> So to look at Europe at the end of World War II, it's 1945, all of the governments have been essentially run into the ground. Uh, America is propping the Nazis back into power in West Germany. And the actual political power and the rest of Europe is split into the now successful stay behind units that were fighting the Nazis before. And who were the people in those?
2: in yeah okay so the stay behinds in western europe particularly i i think you can you can basically do uh um you basically do three broad groups which is we need to set up a stay behind from scratch uh which describes your nordic countries germany and italy uh and these are like we hire people who we think are good. They have to have a certain kind of job that allows them to like take jer- trips, like we said. Um, no communists allowed, uh, specifically. So this yeah. attracts conservatives... Um, military people they also get people who are relatively powerful like people already in the military secret service yep. or police traveling C4 salesmen. yeah they say yeah it's, I have a great cover yeah pretty much <laughs> <laughs> um, this is also a great time to uh, I, I, something I found out during my research that I just absolutely love that the Swedish police still has the like the fasces the, the fascist symbol in their police logo <laughs> um, so Ow. they were recruited from a bit yeah um, so yeah that's kind of your make it from scratch some people kind of prove themselves particularly in Italy there was allowed to be a fascist party straight away uh, called MSI uh, not mind the self indulgence if anyone remembers them um okay. yeah I knew <laughs> that would get topic. Jake <laughs> so It is the hot topic fascist <laughs> party uh no it standed for Italian social movement movimento socialismo italiano uh, and this was your uh Mussolini continuation party and a lot of this party was actually staffed by people who just like uh you know mussolini's government fell and they're just like i was just getting started like these were literally the people who were like i'm gonna ascend the ranks and i'm gonna be a big player in mussolini's government and then whoops it's not around anymore uh so they're bitter uh, they're recruited from and that's kind of like one wing you then get like your northwestern european uh these are the Governments like Netherlands, Luxembourg, Belgium, and France, which the Allies kind of work with to turn the partisans, but specifically the lame partisans that didn't really, weren't very effectual, uh, who made up of conservatives, monarchists, and fascists did, who disagreed with the other fascists. And then they turned that into the stay-behind network. Um, the difference being that the only real difference is that like the partisans relied on weapons being dropped in Uh, whereas weapons were given to them in advance and they just like go buried them in an undisclosed location to be extracted from when needed. Um, The kind of only exception to this is the Netherlands because the allied-backed partisans in the Netherlands were so fucking ineffectual, the Nazis immediately all found them and killed them instantly. Um, Yeah. So you had to be a communist partisan in Netherlands to actually get any shit done.
0: Right, and all all of these wonderful guys are held <laughs> up in contrast to the popular and now validated and successful anti-fascist communist partisans who are now fucking prettiest girl at prom all over
2: the continent. Pretty much, in yeah. a lot of places, yeah. Uh, um, um, I
4: wish it were that simple. I mean, the problem <laughs> is that even though Europe is in, like, in uh like broken to pieces there are still like power bases that can be kind of uh, revived perhaps by the US but that are there and can you know organically take off once you know it's set in motion and those are things like the church like yeah. royalists yeah like i mean it's it's not uh, so post-war Belgium the like whether to bring back the king is this like huge fundamental question in Italy like some I think like Sardinia and southern Italy voted to you know bring back the king like hmm. um, okay. I mean they didn't because they the, the majority voted otherwise Yeah, but he's it was an open a, question
2: he's now running a uh, pasta van in LA Yeah, uh, I'm not even joking about that So yeah. um, he's, he's doing well he's doing a great a pasta he met van William. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, who is? The the ex- the, the fu- exiled royal family of Italy runs a pasta food truck in LA. The great grandson
4: of the last king the great grandson thing.
2: of the last king. It, the like pasta that. truck is called uh the Prince of Venice, I believe. <laughs>
3: <laughs> That's so fucking cool. <laughs> it's honestly
0: brags- probably a better life. <laughs> he brags yeah.
2: about He's uh, the king of pasta. I'm pasta. the king. I'm of the pasta. The king. Pasta. Come on, dude. He brags about uh, um, serving food at the premiere for the new Jumanji film with Dwayne the Rock Johnson in it. Oh my god!
0: <laughs> and, yeah. Is there anything cooler than that? And he's still like, "Hey, maybe
2: that. you want to bring the monarchy back." Of I wish I was Italian him. TV.
1: I beg. I you wish could. I was
2: the deposed Italian king. You could easily get the Rock mm.
1: to get on board for monarch Italian monarchism <laughs> with the right, <laughs> you know, flavor of ZT
2: I feel like you could bring him a, you could bring him along the way, thinking he was like like uh, auditioning for a role, and he's just like he comes out of this meeting, be like, I think I can play Italian, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) not realizing he's been dropped into some sort of operation. Uh,
4: And the only other thing I want to say is like the flip side is that there are divisions within the kind of anti-fascist and communist, or let's say the left, because. Uh, just to take France and Italy as two examples, the tension in the fight between the Socialist Party and the Communist Party continues to be basically a wedge issue uh onward. Mm. And so like the communists were very strong. Maybe maybe I'm gonna mess up some details, but like the communists were strong like De Gaulle as like the BCF, yeah, yeah. The the kind of like I don't know what do you even call the a golf centrist I'm just gonna say oh no
2: he's literally just called it uh, uh, it's called Gaullism. yeah it's like so Gaulist, I mean you know uh, Galiz- guys.
4: <laughs> who who's gonna run France and then you know he doesn't want the communists and the communists think they can do it and the socialists kind of want to squeeze both of them out and set mm-hmm. up their own like new new France and so it's, it's it's by no means like you know it's not like everyone's on the same page and in Italy like the socialists are the ones who um slowly get into government as part of this uh kind of agreement as the like no well, we're not the communists you know mm-hmm. there's like split off groups from the socialist party who want to work with the communists i think there's a split off group from the communists who go to work with the socialists yep. so e- like there's
5: uh, a lot of moving and shaking
2: every there. party in modern italy derives itself from the italian communist party uh is like some form of split, and like that includes like conservatives uh um it's a very strange situation but the the last little part of that would also be iberia which uh to quote uh um journalists from spain gladio was the government like they they just there there was no secret gladio it was just what the military intelligence of franco did um there was like five uh uh, uh different wings of military intelligence under franco That's all a lot of wings. doing their own wings. T- Doing terrifying shit. Odd number many. of wings. That's uh, <laughs> that's not
1: safe for flight to have five wings. It's uneven.
2: No,
0: nope.
2: that's a Final Fantasy ass bird. <laughs> it's it's uh,
3: yeah, it's a Sephiroth in there until you get the extra wing. It's
2: a Saphiroth that just wants to murder all the Basques. <laughs>
5: <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the least popular uh, <laughs>
0: equal to Final Fantasy seven. Okay, editing note for myself here. Uh, We're around 75 minutes in. Is there, what else did we want to cover before we close out?
4: Um, We should just do some fun bits. And by fun bits, I mean terrible stories from like, you know, what happened examples. to Hitler? You, you want to talk about... <laughs> Pre- I, 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 w- I would love to talk about that. I just don't know. I, I don't know about <laughs> we, the Hitler we'll,
0: stuff. We'll figure it out next episode. 50 pages of documents up on other stuff. <laughs> and you're like, where is he? Where's Hitler?
2: food <laughs> <laughs> <Who laughs> truck is he running?
5: <laughs>
1: all I'm saying, there's oh, no. planes going in, out, in, out of Berlin around that time. <laughs> yeah. Bef- yeah. Right before the Russians got there, it is conceivable. Mm. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah.
2: Yeah, we could do like tidbits and like previews of things that we kinda like maybe would talk about in more detail sure. going down the line. I think that's probably the way to do it. We can ask we can answer the Hitler question. Um, <laughs> you're gonna, you,
4: you should take it away. Give you, give give your Belgian examples. Oh my god, Belgium.
2: Fuck it. <laughs> yes, Belgium. So everyone everyone <laughs> wants to hang out with Italy. Italy's the cool kid when you wanna talk about it. What? like uh, Gladio. What, uh,
4: I can see why. Because when Because Aldo- they had a stupid code name. Wait, no
2: one I- wants to talk about SDRA8. <laughs> <laughs> when Aldo
4: was kidnapped, literally one of the guys who's like. One one thing that's that's uh, not appreciated in the Aldo Moro kidnapping is that they had it for like 60 days. And so it wasn't like, boom, we're going to kill him. They're like, yeah. give us our demands. And then basically the ruling class was like, no, we're good. We yeah, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Can, can, don't really care about prime minister. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That'd be kind of nice if you <laughs> killed the Prime Minister. Okay, so Gladio. Like, no, no. One of the guys who's clearly like. Okay, I know that we want him to kill him, but I have to lie about it and so he's like someone told me in a seance what building he was in, and then he like reported this information, <laughs> and then they couldn't find him, and then it's like, oh, that actually was the street he was on that name that someone told you in a seance. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like I love that this is like how he's working through his whatever his yeah you know, his uh his guilt of being like, don't give away the cover. <laughs> don't give away, don't don't blow the cover, don't blow the cover. <laughs>
2: i mean okay there's there's a lot of people i, w- I want to talk about belgium just a little bit because belgium is everyone talks about italy like italy's sexy right moron they have like they've kidnapped Maroon.
4: they they, <laughs> they had they got soft coups they got yeah failed coups
2: soft coups <laughs> failed coups kidnapping a prime minister blowing up an agricultural bank learning what an agricultural bank is uh, Don't uh forget all forget cool stuff yeah T- tintin's belgian i know that's <laughs> what i'm saying oh, my oh okay God. right yeah yeah. yeah. tintin uh, continental european james bond uh, yeah. that's probably my spiciest take uh, um the thing that happens with belgium though is that like it is the center of everything it's where the eu is set it's where nato is set and similarly belgium is also just incredibly like confused there's like great arguments online that like the baroque nature of the belgian government is like to its benefit to like obfuscate all the like terrible shit it does um because it's like it's a federation where like the states are more powerful than the federal government and things like that it's like it's an insane country
4: yeah and one thing just to add quickly is belgium is an interesting example because a lot of the ones we have talking about or i've tried to explain as best i can this mm. like state and nation tension right like and the bigger nation states like italy and france there is this like oh we got these millions of people we got this big you know to to deal with yeah. in comparison to the power of the state and belgium you have a bit of an extreme example where again it's divided it's not that big and like there's just giant belgian congo Yeah, and so i think <laughs> that adds to a bit like even more to the kind of insanity
2: yeah. <laughs> oh yeah like they all, they all they all tried like do shit in belgian congo like, like as well like the state
4: in maybe not uh irrationally thinks they can get away with more. Yeah. There's fewer of you to stop us. <laughs> we have a giant colony. Uh,
2: it's a densely populated country. It's 16 million people. Uh, um, but is it that many? Yeah, 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 it's like the sixth biggest in Europe. That's a lot. Um, yeah, yeah. They're all crammed into a space, all ready to kill communists. Um, the the thing that happens in Belgium that I think is probably the most cartoonish example, I talked about like particularly horrific one at the beginning of the episode, but like there is a town in... Uh, uh, the Luxembourg region of Belgium, not the country of Luxembourg, called Le Vissant, And there, they drop in a bunch of American commandos to do a stay-behind operation where, like, the whole mission is be here for two weeks and just don't have any of the Belgians notice you're here. <laughs> 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 so what they, year is this? This is... Uh, uh, I think, like,
1: 84. It was 84, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. so they just uh, had sepia-tone <laughs> <laughs> camouflage. They're just, like... <laughs> they had, <laughs> They dressed up yeah, like yeah, cars were, and like the brick walls. They had brick wall camouflage. They just like stood in front they, of buildings.
2: They dressed like Belgians did in the in the eighties, which would be like what Americans dressed like in the sixties. Um, <laughs> so it's it's just a little bit behind here, you know. And. Uh, um, it, it, it's like a genuinely just farcical situation because it's like okay, just hide out here for a bit, and they do, and they like mission succeeds. But at the end of the mission, you get a reward. You get to go down to the local police station and murder the cop there.
5: Oh, <laughs> that's fun.
2: That's like yeah, because it's like as part of the training exercise. Okay, we've been hiding out for two weeks. Why? We're gonna uh, uh, role play that the Soviets have already taken over, and you have to kill this cop who's now an agent for the USSR. Um, so then they do that wait, wait, and then i'm sorry just... they
1: actually kill the cop yep and yep, was yep. the cop actually an agent for Get the... on it nope no no wow. no just a cop, belgian,
2: just a belgian practice, military police Sanders. small town cop imagine the smallest town you can think of this is what via somme is uh um the bay of paul blarts yeah basic. Paul Not Blart? even That's... That. That... okay Paul Blart gets murked
1: just to for a training exercise, basically. Right,
3: now I think it's good.
2: Imagine <laughs> a European town that you think only exists in a painting. It's just like hills, <laughs> and there's like a church is the tallest building. That kind of shit. And they just go in, kill the cop. I'm uh, not even like uh, like a big guy. I think he was like head of filing or something. It was something stupid like that.
4: Yeah, yeah, you're right.
2: And then like afterwards, they're like, all right, good job, training exercise over. And then the secret uh, uh, army, the stay-behind army was just like, all right, now we have to pin this on the communists. So they pin it on, uh, um, I believe it's called the, the Cells of Communist Combatants, uh, literally in French is CCC, cellus uh, combatant communist. Uh, and they're like, this is the organization. Results in the biggest mass arrest in Belgian history since they arrested all the Nazis that were in charge. Thousands upon thousands of Belgian communists are arrested. And then it's revealed in the 90s, they made up the whole organization. Didn't exist. They just oh, arrested a, a bunch of people <laughs> <laughs> that they blamed the cop that they murdered on. I'm oh. uh,
0: worried about joining an organization don't they'll just say you were part of one later
2: literally literally rob said they were like okay we did delegation you're in charge of guiding the americans when they drop in you're in charge of making up and falsifying this communist organization and that guy just slept on that fucking job (laughs) (laughs) it was like the end of the american training exercise they murdered a cop and they're just like Oh, you wanted that done by Tuesday. Yeah, okay. We'll call it the uh C C C
3: ominous central.
2: If this seems extreme.
4: <laughs> if this seems extreme, this is going on at the same time, these, you know, just the Brabant the massacres, brabant massacres yeah. are going on. So yeah, well, you know, some people are just murdering women. Oh, children. this is the Brabant.
2: A- the ones um, we opened A- open, A- Oh, over right, open, oh, but, oh, right uh, okay. That was the last one. There was multiple. Yeah, and uh, uh, all. Yeah,
1: is there resentment in Belgium for this and other incidents? Or yeah, okay. Oh god, yeah, they hate America. Uh, so,
2: uh, not not necessarily. So, like, um, a really good Gladio documentary was done by the BBC in what I want to say 1992, and one of the people they interview is this German guy from Munich, and it is genuinely incredibly heartbreaking because uh he was involved in the 1980 i think it is munich bombing um yeah. which is a carnival in munich was bombed by what is Car- oktoberfest Octoberfest. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the okay. oktoberfest the oktoberfest, <laughs> oktoberfest in the hometown of oktoberfest
4: oh, there are there are some lovely rides there so.
2: oh yeah absolutely <laughs> uh it's it's blown up it's basically believed to be a stay behind fal- false flag operation people have not been caught for it
4: yeah the, the the people they arrested interrogated they're like yeah this guy basically said if you need any weapons or training just ask
2: yeah <laughs> and it is this incredibly tragic footage of this like now older portly german gentleman going like and as i was running away from it from the explosion i look back and my daughter is no longer holding my hand And she died. And, like, he's to spend the rest of his life complaining to whatever German bureaucracy will listen to him in, like, an office being like, where are the killers? Why did the investigation suddenly stop? Who killed my daughter? Uh, And these are all specifically non-apolitical people. They were, like, actually very specific. There's a quote from, like, an exiled uh, um, uh, Belgian gladiator, uh, uh, Serra, who retired in Florida or something before he was arrested. There's a quote he gave to the press, it was like we specifically targeted apolitical people, people who had no stake in the game, people who represented the average citizen, uh, men, women, and children. This is why they attacked like Oktoberfest. This is why they attacked like shopping centers mm. and like banks and stuff like that. I mean, it doesn't, it,
4: uh, but the, specifically the Farmers Bank because it's Zipman all these Farmers like, Bank, yeah.
2: specifically a very suburban commuter town area of Belgium. That's what Brabant is. It's like the area around Brussels to get like. Your average person in suburbia incredibly paranoid about what the fuck is happening, mm. um, but also just sympathetic targets
0: to blame on the communists. Right afterwards,
2: not even sometimes not even that. Sometimes they were just like, "Who knows why this happens?" Better ramp up the security state, and that was like their whole justification. Wow. Because they couldn't trust the guy to make up the communist organization in time, basically. So they are like, we'll just say whoever did this. All right, give me
0: more gems. What other juicy stuff do we got here? <laughs>
3: that is enough to make you really... Like, knowing about this is enough to kind of set you off on a paranoid Google thing, you know? For sure.
2: Oh, yeah. absolutely. Uh, I can give you some more if you want some uh, some more paranoid fuel. You can, we can talk about the neutral countries like Austria, Switzerland, Finland, and Sweden who um, had stay-behind networks built in them, pretty much without their consent. Um, Finland, in particular, was very cautious because they were like, we really, really don't want Russia to invade us. They're right fucking there. They could do it in, like, an afternoon. So we are not working with the CIA for more than five seconds. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and All we have still, is our skis. Pretty much. Skis and horrifying boiled reindeer dishes. Um, but, <laughs> sure. like... That that happens. Uh, they still get a, a stay behind network, and it's like basically comes to light that no one in the Finnish government is aware this is happening. Like it, like I said earlier, it was revealed in like the memoirs of a CIA agent being like, "Yeah, I did that. I set up a stay behind network in Finland." I, I think another particularly interesting. You could go into like huge stories, about individual people. Mm. Uh, there's a, a Finnish stay behind guy who was initially a stay behind army for when. They were at war with Russia before World War II. Then he joined the Waffen SS. Then he joined the Vietnam War on the side of the Americans. Changed his name to something American. I believe it was like Laurie Thorne or something like that when his real name was uh, uh, Laurie Thorne. A Puerne. classic American name. Laurie Thorne. Laurie Thorne. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that's who the, uh, 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 the guy in This Is Us is playing Torn. in his Vietnam flashbacks. i a little
1: <laughs> late. Just like that?
2: Yeah, pretty much. Uh, Natalie Mbulia. I think that was his uh, Spanish... <laughs> that was his codename. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
5: Natalie and
1: on the floor.
3: Classic. Um, Cover song. A, a lot of people don't know is that.
2: There a, oh,
1: really? if you want the real
2: parano... <laughs> it is...
1: Derailing yeah, yeah. us again.
2: If you want the real paranoia, I can tell you about Group 134 of the Norway Stay Behind. Hell yes. Group. Um... Group 134, they basically had three groups, but they gave them random numbers because, you know, if you broke the group, you're like, wait, this is the 134th? Oh my god, how many are there? Um, but group 134, uh, there was one that was like, like the first two groups, in short, you're going to do sabotage when the Soviets invade. Um, the other group was like, you're going to get the politicians and the royal family out of the country when they invade. And then group 134 was, you're going to be the best goddamn communists the world has ever seen and that was their whole mission during norway well norway was uh, um not invaded by the ussr you know ever Uh, and during like 45 until 1990 there was a bunch of people active in like communist movements workers movements union movements who were incredibly well read incredibly knowledgeable perfect public communists and the whole point was like so when the USSR takes over, they're going to put you in charge of agriculture or something. And then you can start sabotaging shit. Whoa. So that's your real paranoid.
0: That's crazy. <laughs> that- oh my god. The entire American government has been supplanted by these spies.
2: Yeah, and now we can make red scare jokes. <laughs> <laughs> that,
5: now with that
4: knowledge. That that was like that must have been, like, the hardest one. They're like, I I, want to want to kill people. I don't want to read Hegel. Why are you making me do this? Oh, no, because
2: then
3: you have to... Do you wonder if, like, because, like, in COINTELPRO, you know, sometimes cops would flip because they'd be like, go underground, hang out with the hippies, and then they would just be like, this is great, you know, do acid and stuff. <laughs> do you-
0: I love being drunk. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if any of the
3: group 134 people, like, read, you know, all of Marx and Hegel and shit, and they were like, I get it. Yeah. Oh, Let's...
2: i'm bakunin yeah. <laughs> i i'm pretty well read and a lot of a, a decent amount of theory i'd like to think there's more i could read sure but i, I it's just made me sad yeah so <laughs> like, there uh, the norwegian guys would be like i want to go back to like there's just a nice king in charge of me and i get to murder the odd communist and dane or swede whoever we're at war with so that's uh those are some nuggets, yeah, I think we'll explore i think there's a there's a lot to talk about uh i I wanna yeah. bring up just because
4: no. i find it I've been thinking about it all day, which is the aforementioned uh the guy who they're interviewing was in the he talked about Vison or he was in the oh Lucco,
2: the guy who fled to Florida or
4: I forget if it was him, but then they're like, yeah, we had a training base near Boston in the United States, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I've just been imagining all day nineteen eighty two Someone working at shooting, Dunkin' Donuts. Shooting practice behind a Honeydew Donuts. Yeah. You look to your left. It's so the... where are you
2: from originally, Belgium? <laughs> you see the great, great,
4: great grandson of uh, of John Adams. You look to your right.
2: All right, I'm calling it now Wolberg. That's a Flemish name. He's from northern Belgium. Mark Wolberg. Wolberg. At an
4: ear-splitting volume, uh, yeah. Centerfold by Jake Owl's band is playing.
5: <laughs>
0: My favorite nugget Europe. from... Uh... That, that book that you guys sent me last spring or whatever that was yeah. on this is uh, you have a lot of these stay behind network guys as the, the process is formally like underway, officially trained by like U.S. and U.K. Green Berets and Navy SEALs and stuff. And at some point there's some pushback in the U.K. just because they're kind of grossed out by the uh, uh, dirty fascists they're helping who... Yeah. <laughs> Don't have the pure bloodlines that they would prefer to associate with.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the the God, The UK network is so funny because, like, a huge part of this and a huge part of like any analysis of like the CIA, particularly, is like one of the things you'll always learn is that they they were trained by MI five, MI six, because like. They had way more experience and stuff like it's that. It's a fancy boys' club. Exactly. What are we oh, doing, exactly. letting
0: the, the, uh, base Hitler forty-five into this?
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah the the various the various gladiators do all kind of look like shit. Uh, uh, <laughs> it, it's worth pointing out, like that Stefano guy I looked like before. Looks like a disgruntled taxi driver. Mm. He does not look like he has like the blood of hundreds of people on his hand and like overthrew the government of bolivia because he just looks like like the stereotype you have of a man playing dominoes outside a like cafe in italy it's like that guy he's like brown he kind of looks like a muppet he's smoking <laughs> constantly uh uh um, yeah. and he would just yell at you or catcall you depending on how hot you were that day
3: man that's crazy any one of these guys when you walk around you see these old men yeah. smoking reading the paper they could be up to some crazy shit.
5: <laughs>
3: I was trying to make people more paranoid yeah. now. Oh, yeah, new.
4: I have two. I have a one paranoid and maybe a, a deep paranoid point. Oh, okay. Uh, let's let's
2: do that. We'll round one. out this one. I
4: think the paranoid <laughs> We're one... We're
0: getting is, so close to the two-hour mark. I'm so that, determined. <laughs>
4: <laughs> is that... To return all the way back to 1990 and the, the revelations, is that the Cold War ended, but... It's not like there's a lot of continuity between 1989 and 1990, between 1970 and 2010, or or whatever the case may be. And it's not like Europe doesn't have to do that anymore. If it was, you know, it was like literally what was that? What one year or two year two years ago, where the, the EU passed the resolution that like our founding principles are anti-fascism and anti-communism.
2: Yep, like, that's, <laughs> that's, They made that statement every every couple of months. Yeah, that,
4: that's like um it's still in the water here and the the gladio network arose out of like basically a crisis situation post world war 2 obviously creating a, a new world order a new phase of capitalism perhaps and that's why that's certainly what the the rationale given hmm. for for the networks but there might still be networks today. <laughs> I mean, they said before, I think Andriotti first said, like, Gladio ended in 1972. And then someone else is like, Gladio ended in 1990. <laughs> <then it's laughs> like, up, update. So why would we believe the 1990 date? Um, yeah. I don't know how much uh, you three know about the National Socialist Underground Murders in uh, the past few years. The NSU the or the NSU Nickelodeon sitcom universe. That are just blatantly... it is uh, it is. Shockingly clear that the Verfassungsschutz, which is like the FBI in Germany, has some knowledge or some connection to it. They shredded documents related to the case. One of the murders took place in an internet cafe and the, the killer walked past a Verfassungsschutz agent sitting at a computer <laughs> after he just domed someone in the, in the, in the room next to him. Uh, maybe he was really into his game of StarCraft. I don't know.
2: I just like, like what kind of wage are they paying you that you fucking, as a member of the German FBI, couldn't afford your own home internet? <laughs> like, why would you be at an internet cafe? Yeah,
0: you really lost me at internet cafe, but uh, the murder's bad, too. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just like...
2: What excuse? watching
3: (laughs) pornography like a homeless person
2: i'm a freak i love to do it this way i have very fast (laughs) internet at home (laughs)
4: and there's there's open debate of what people knew and i think a lot of it focuses on are there right-wing network networks embedded into the german state which Mm. there certainly are a lot in the in the cops and everything but i think when you look at it from gladio perspective there's nothing new about a german state just wanting to keep a few people around maybe maybe they got out of hand maybe they didn't maybe it was a rogue operation yeah. but maybe you don't need as many but you know this this tactic worked pretty well like we got us to where we are so yeah. why would we just throw it all out it's maybe right. something and we this, want to this keep in our back and this goes back to pocket.
0: the question of like do you still need stay behind networks when you've fully consolidated power at the front of the line like do you do you need gladio in 2020 if nato's still around but the soviet union's gone and nobody mean, asked any questions
2: about it there was a good uh, uh in retrospect there's a good argument that you didn't need the stay behind armies to begin with <laughs> yeah, right? no, they, no. They, they didn't
5: invade, they, they, were didn't not. invade. No.
2: they were incredibly prudent about invading they they were so the the high command of the soviet union was just so reluctant to back anything they were not <laughs> going to fucking invade Austria. Listen. it was, Sometimes to
0: stop fascism, you have to run a secret underground fascist network. Yeah, fight fire
2: with fire.
0: Fight <laughs> fire with fire. Metallica. What was their? That's kind of what's yeah.
3: So funny about this whole thing, though, right? Is that they're like, you're right. Like Stalin was being so prudent and and you know reluctant, and yet that didn't stop this paranoia from just taking over so many people and so many institutions and like all of all of the fucking cold war was just this thing where they're like they're the communists are in my backyard and they're coming for me and you know russia's coming to do all this crazy shit and red dawn's gonna happen and it just like wasn't happening so Mm. i mean i think that that's you're right this is a good answer to that question it could still be happening because it shouldn't have been happening to begin with and it just depends how paranoid the entire world still is you know
1: well yeah i mean there's a new cold war with that same country in a way that's that's been brewing so could very well be
3: people in america on fucking facebook are concerned about communism (laughs) still very much
0: the chinese groups in america are active and they're a threat
2: I really like the idea that there is just some, like, Langley weirdo embedded in, like, Shanghai, and he's just so white and so Mormon, and he's just like, hello, fellow
5: Chinese people.
0: (laughs) 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 Who is ready to advance our specific version of communism this year?
2: (laughs) I mean, that gets to a, a wider point that I will probably explore throughout this series of just, like, Gladio is this very, like overt and in-your-face explainer of what is europe in the world like what its actual relationship is and the answer is america's bitch and it will mm-hmm. be for a very long time literally Andreotti, the guy who like leaked this information in 1990 was just like i would basically said in his own words i am shocked to learn that italy is not a country it is a protectorate of the united states um and that is kind of true to how the whole thing was being run and now as we enter this era of supposedly ascended china a lot of people in europe don't think that like america's going to come out on top of that like little scuffle and also we're not going to be the theater of operations anymore that's australia taiwan japan south korea's problem less less ours so like what the fuck are we going to do uh, um, yeah it raises the bold
0: question is europe america's bitch or are we all collective bitches under a
2: Proud Western
0: alliance of nations.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Who's doing what in the Xerxes orgy from 300? Uh, Who's (laughs) subservient to who? Who's wearing and eating gold?
4: Yeah, because. I I agree that the the U S has an outsized role. I think some people take maybe the like logical leap that like, but for the U S intervention, you know, all those nice communist parties that they have in Europe would have ascended, and
2: it's like we there were so many fascists willing. No, to no, no, no. no, no.
0: <laughs> so you you both have like twenty more pages written up on this, and uh, Nick didn't come. I there's the thing in here they want to talk about the Greek Civil War. What do you think is going to be the next episode on this?
2: Probably Greek Civil War. Yeah. Yeah, because it sets the table. For, that's that's your yeah. big clash of like, what are we gonna do? It's it's democracy versus communism. Oh, democracy won. Whoops, switch around. It's a military junta. Um, so that's that's your big on the face what happens. And even when they're in control of everything, they're still paranoid. They still want to get rid of all the communists lurking in the shadows. Cyprus gets involved. Turkey gets involved. NATO is the only two things that stop those two countries from killing each other. Um, because they're both NATO members, so now they have to be friends. Despite what the YouTube comments said underneath all the various YouTube th- things they post. <laughs>
0: it's uh, a classic sitcom situation.
2: Exactly. Um, so that gets into Rob's thesis of Gladio is Europe. Otherwise, it's just a bunch of warring, feudal <laughs> 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 pitch countries. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And
4: that is kind of my point that I think is, I don't know, hopeful or not paranoid, because... When you really accept that it um I mean I guess a, l- a lot of us know that the danger of conspiracy theorizing is whatever it's taking you down rabbit holes or it's not it it doesn't keep you grounded in what's going on in the world but like when you accept that this that these are the dynamics of you know how European history has worked how it got to be the way it is I mean, you accept a lot that like, well, I guess this or that, uh, you know, these are this or that person in power or like, as we talked about on our last episode together, say, you saying you have to love and kiss and hug NATO is not something you ever have to do. <laughs> you just don't have to do that because they literally did all this shit. Yeah, um, And it's actually good to, to, to not be, um, <laughs> you know, on that side, um, despite the like shocked reaction or, you know, the the the. The, the clattering of teacups and dropped forks when, when you say that in polite conversation in some uh dinner party liberal political circles yeah. in, in Germany or in Europe. But Yeah, this is
0: gonna be a great series to ruin family dinner parties. And that's <laughs> yeah. what this is for. But but I think the
4: Thanksgiving is coming up. Oh, Bring up right, Gladio. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Fuck it. The it. Uh, the hopeful part is that out of all of that, when you realize that it's like a coalition of these of yeah, security states and like uh, it's a loose and unstable coalition of forces you know doing all of this i think that's in some ways when you consider what the left can build as workers movement as uh whatever revolutionary parties that it's almost somehow more you know feasible than taking on this like backwards nation or whatever when you realize that the like there is no real like uh nationalism in the sense that no i believe this and i'm for the state and all this and it's like the state will turn on anyone here. And so like when people slowly realize that it's like, well, I don't really have much allegiance to this thing. I'm going yeah. to, I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with you guys. And one thing that uh, certainly helped me, I want to do a future episode in the series on it is that like in the 60s and 70s, a lot of left wing groups like recognized what was going on before it was all clear. Yeah. They're like, yeah, these bombings don't make any sense. This is clearly the state. <laughs> um, their analysis is super interesting um, some of the best writing on it happened uh, came from the Situationists in French and Italy, including Guy Debord, which is a great example of when people say the the spectacle is when weird stuff happens on TV. Uh, no, he also means when like bombings happen, when yeah. <laughs> when, when when a supermarket gets uh, gets turned Shut into uh, a yeah, GTA. And I think like that's. I certainly, maybe that makes me weird, but I, I get a little optimistic when, when you realize the stakes of uh, of the political dimensions and, and how Europe was formed. Um, you realize that like, I don't know, it's a shaky coalition and it's not like a monolithic, you know, reactionary state or, yeah. or, or however it's often portrayed. Like, oh, all those just backwards people out there you'll never be able to reach. They're not really such a block because the state doesn't even consider them a block. The state considers them sheep to be herded.
0: These guys are dumb as all hell. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be looking into that more in the future. So uh, check back. This is a uh, collabo project on the Corners Bay Deep Pod Dame America bonus feeds. Tell your friends. Get them yeah. to sign up. Please. Have them ruin their Thanksgivings or whatever the <laughs> European equivalent of Thanksgiving is.
2: Good question. Oh, right. Christmas. Easter? No, Easter. What Easter? Okay, <laughs> if you're
0: Greek. <laughs> like, yeah. honey boxing
3: guy oh uh, yeah
0: and if you are greek you want to listen because there's a oh. lot for you to learn about your country oh yeah
2: sit down to a big easter lamb and honey coated sweet potatoes you sick fucks why would you do that to <laughs> potatoes Jesus. <laughs> it's a savory food. Don't put honey. Okay, it's fine. Whatever. You're orthodox. It's weird. You have a different Easter. Uh, um,
3: They're called sweet potatoes. Are they savory? Hold on. Let's we got to do a new podcast. No, no, no.
2: These are yellow potatoes. These are normal potatoes, but they put honey on them to make them sweet because they didn't have oh, sweet Oh, that's potatoes. weird. <laughs> All right, that's pretty yeah, weird. That's weird, yeah. Strange so this, inventions from the people who rotate meat on big sticks. Yeah. The people who invented <laughs> democracy and then decided, "Nope never again (laughs) it's fucking military junta
4: although the military junta was
0: the the US did have have more (laughs) we have no time (laughs) (laughs) Is is there a song that we should be ending on here
2: I think the ultimate um, Operation Gladio song, the song that I listened to on repeat while writing the notes, was Andrew WK's "Get Ready to Die." <laughs> <laughs> it settles.
5: <laughs> <laughs> Woo.